everyone, welcome to Mastermind FM. I'm Mark Zara, and this week I'll be interviewing Marius Vetrich from WP Riders. Marius, welcome. Hello, Mark. Hi, everyone. Thanks for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. So basically, we're going to be discussing with Marius what he does, what WP Riders does, and get into a bit of business development talk as well. So, Marius, can you give us a bit of an introduction to your personal background? Oh, yeah. So, I'm from Romania in Eastern Europe. I live in Bucharest, the capital, and I have been programming since my early ages, probably since I was seven years old. Later on, I got a PhD in software project duration estimation and a master's in project management. And I've been an entrepreneur during the last 14 years. All right. How long have you been involved within the WordPress space? Doing business with WordPress for three years, but playing around with WordPress probably for seven or eight years. All right. So you do some development and the business side of things as well then? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. And how about WP Riders? How did that come about? And Yeah, WP Riders is the agency that I found two years ago. We are a technical WordPress development agency, and we truly focus on our clients' business goals. We only work with a handful of customers, but we act as a thinking partner, and we mainly help business owners be successful online. So actually, we do consult our clients about the best approach towards attaining their business goals, and then we actually do the coding for them in order to deliver what we've advised them to do. All right, that's good. Yeah, we do work with a wide range of WordPress technologies, plugins, framework, the entire WooCommerce family. And we've worked so far on some quite very interesting business models for our clients. Okay, so before we actually get into the work that WP Riders does, I believe you started out as a freelancer and then built a WordPress agency after that. So how come you chose to scale from freelancing to actually developing a WordPress agency? Well, that's a great question because being a freelancer, it is, it is enjoyable, it is nice, but at the same time, it is very hard. All the responsibilities uh, lie on my shoulders. It's like if I'm not coding, I'm not billing my clients. <laughs> and sometimes... Well, it was quite hard to even take a holiday with my family without a laptop. Therefore, scaling my freelancing business to a WordPress agency was a necessary and natural step if I want to be mentally health, healthy. <laughs> yeah, uh, my wife is especially grateful for that. I have more time for family, for kids. Yeah, and... Um, I scaled because I wanted more stability and predictability. I often compare a freelancer with a mushroom. You only have one leg because you are all by yourself. Whereas as an agency, you basically have more legs. Uh, the entire agency has more points of stability, more persons to rely on. We can cover each other. Nowadays, I can take a holiday a true holiday, a real holiday without a laptop, without my phone. Mm -hmm. And that's a better way of, of life. Yeah, it's a very good comparison. Yeah, it's like comparing, it's like comparing a mushroom to a chair. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You get the idea. It's on the four legs rather than one, definitely. All right. So I can imagine there were challenges moving from freelancing to 
actually setting up an agency and running it. So what were some of those initial challenges you faced in the beginning and how did you manage to overcome them? The first challenge was my fear. I was terribly afraid to do that. Even though I had another business, a software business for 10 years, I've made so many mistakes in the previous business that I was feeling like working in a China shop and was very, very careful. It was of great help to overcome this fear, talking to a business mentor, and I'm truly grateful to have found the right person. The next challenge was to choose the right people. And actually, this is a twofold challenge. The first thing is to decide who I want the right people to be. I mean, I need to define the criteria. What kind of people do I want on my team? And then after I nail this down and put it on paper, the second part was not that hard to actually interview and, and choose and hire the right people. So yeah, I think those, those were my main two challenges. All right. So what, what did you learn from that process that today you consider something to be invaluable? What kind of skills did you learn? Well, you see, in the beginning, I was a control freak. I was working for many, many hours. But uh, you see, the people on my team, they realized, hey, Marius is not going to support this for much more. It is just not sustainable to work long, long hours. And they just said, hey, just leave your laptop here and go for, go for um, a holiday. We will manage. And in the beginning, I only took like one or two days holidays, and then they became like seven days and eventually 10 days holidays. So the first thing that I was real, that I realized, and it is invaluable, is that I, that's probably obvious for anyone out there, but I've learned in my muscles that I cannot do everything myself. I just need to find reliable people that care about our company, that do care about ourselves as a team and then just let them do the job and another invaluable thing that was a hard lesson for me was when we hired the project manager i made a mistake to read some articles on the net on the internet which were saying hey your project manager doesn't have to be a technical person because of this and because of that well guess what this recommendation didn't apply to us because we are a technical agency. We're not doing like marketing, lead generation, SEO, etc. So our first project manager hire was not that successful. It was a bit of a pain for the entire team and including for me because I had more work to do compared to just doing the work myself. So I had to make a hard decision and to put a stop to this and then to hire technical project manager. And now she's doing very well for more than one year. That's good. So that's definitely a valuable lesson for you. So what uh, role does your project manager take in, within the company right now? Basically, the project manager handles a project delivery from the moment the client has signed the contract with us, has deposited the money in the escrow. And basically, she, she receives a specification document, a requirements document with a destination of the project, with what has to be achieved. And then she manages the entire process with the developers and the entire communication with the client up to the final delivery, including the testing. 
Okay, so it's basically monitoring the entire process, but not being involved in the actual development itself. No, the project manager, it's not developing All right. at all. So sticking to this concept of hiring. So as you're growing your agency, obviously hiring becomes a, a vital aspect of the business. So what does the hiring process uh, at WP Riders look like? Yeah, we have a quite structured process in place. And generally speaking, we are a very, very well-organized agency, quite disciplined. And this is something clients appreciate about us because it makes us more predictable. But the hiring process depends on the position that we are hiring. For instance, I have one process for hiring a developer, another for hiring a project manager, and another one for hiring a business consultant. But to give you more details about uh, the common stages of this process, first thing first, I have clarified the values that I want my company to follow. So I've done that basically while working as a freelancer before hiring my first person. Nothing fancy, just something that I truly believe in. For us, it's four words and a sentence attached to every word so that everyone knows what's the true definition of that value. For us, those values are accountability, honesty, growing together, and contribution. The next thing that I've done is I wrote the process, I mean the procedures, the checklist, that the future person the future hire will need to follow after she is hired. And I, I'm writing this process, this procedure, by either doing that work myself or by just discussing with my, my team. But we're quite a small agency at this moment, so I might do most of that work for myself in order to see what is the ideal workflow, the ideal pipeline. Then after I, I have the process written on the paper, I know what kind of person I need. I can derive the skills of the person based on the process. And based on the skills, I can write the job ad. An important thing, an important discovery insight for me in order to, to have high quality hiring leads was to add two items to our job ad. The first one is to, to add our company values. I discovered that some interesting people get attracted by, by our company the moment they read our values. And then when we talk over the phone, how do we actually apply those values? What kind of uh, meetings, procedures, rituals, KPIs are we following? What kind of resources are we allocating budget to foster those values? They see, oh, this company is truly applying those values. They live by, by them. So values and truly living by them is one thing in the job ad. And the second thing is to always add a question inside the job ad. So you cannot just hit apply and send us your resume. No, you need to spend at least five minutes to put some thoughts in that box, on that form, or maybe to send us a few links that you've worked on, some portfolio, etc. So I need the candidate to understand that we are a company that we do our homework well. So I would expect them to prepare well for the job interview. Then we have a phone screening. Then comes interview number one. The goal of interview number one is to check value alignment, 
to ensure that I have the right person in front of me. And then we use top grading questions. Top grading, it's a hiring technique patented, invented by some guys out there. You should Google for that. And it's like five very simple questions, but they go to the depth of our candidates' past experience, past working experience. Now, after interview number one, we give them a homework. We review the homework. We provide feedback. We expect them to deliver a perfect homework after two or three rounds of feedback. Delivering a perfect homework and the way candidate responds to feedback is part of the test. I'm expecting the candidate not to take personally any suggestions or requirements or things like, hey, we want this pix- to have it pixel perfect. If the candidate has an issue with that, then we have an issue with that candidate because this is the way we work. So that's about homework. And then we have interview number two, the last one. Here, the candidate has a few assignments and he has to write code during the interview as we watch him or her doing that. It's the only moment when we do watch uh, the programmer writing the code. But just by doing this, you can get a lot of insights about how is the candidate thinking? Is she or he complicated things? What kind of approaches is she taking? And so on and so forth. What's the quality of the code, etc. Standards, and so on and so forth. So, so it's a very thorough process from the beginning. Yes, yes, it is. As I mentioned, we are very thorough as an agency overall. That's good to see. Actually, if I may add to your initial part, which is the application, something that I've liked to do recently and I learned as well from, from one of my colleagues is to ask a question that basically asks the applicant to explain a particular challenge that they experienced in the past relative to their, the job they're applying for. So if they're applying for a PHP developer, it would be a challenge that they face in PHP development and how they face it and how they overcame it. Because usually that sort of determines whether they actually go above and beyond what they're meant to do to fix a problem or whether they just stick to the book sort of thing and just do what they think is in their job description. Yeah, thanks. I think that's a great suggestion. What I would prefer to do here is to actually give him a real challenge and and see how is he or she dealing with it. That's why we are doing that coding interview. Asking about the challenge might be helpful, but I'm not sure, and it's quite hard to check like how much of the coding or the challenge has been actually solved by the candidate itself or by his colleague who gave the right suggestions or by the boss who gave the right suggestions. So I prefer to assume that the candidate is honest Mm-hmm. and just let him do the job and solve the challenge as we watch him do it. Yeah, that's true. And we actually do use the same idea of giving them a test depending on the job they're applying for. So that's very good. But being able to actually watch them as you do, watch them solve it live, that's actually a very good idea. It prevents the need for that trial period before actually hiring. So you're actually seeing them work for a short period of time. There is a trial period and in Romania it's mandatory by law. Mm-hmm. But you see, we hire very, very hard. And once we hired someone, we are like a family, like a tribe. We truly help that person to get accommodated and to 
and to get up to speed and to feel uh, feel comfortable with what he or she has to do. Nevertheless, the trial period, I look at it as a mutual trial period. I'm also expecting the candidate to discover, hey, you are not fit for myself. And we've had some uh, past experience like this. For instance, we've hired a former freelancer who has been selling themes on Theme Forest, and he has been, been hired for seven years or so. And he was quite stressed to receive tasks in Asana all day long, all day long. So after like two weeks, he said, I'm sorry, I like what you're doing, but I don't think I can accommodate to, to this process. And I said, well, having work in Asana means you are creating value on a daily basis. You don't have to run after tasks. And he said, no, I was used to work like two days, 18 hours, then spend another day doing nothing and then working again. And just didn't work for us because we have a schedule, we have some deadlines, uh, and we only seldom do uh, over times, we only seldom go over the deadlines. Probably this is something quite rare in the software world, but we've quite nailed it down. And like for now, it's 6.30 here, 6.30 p.m. And my team is not in the office already, although we have quite a large WordPress website to ship. So that's how things work here. All right. So how big is your team right now? Uh, now we are six team full-time persons plus around three, let's say... Not part-time, but project-based people. Like we have a journalist who writes some some text for us. We have an accountant and an administrative person. So let's say seven and a half. All right. Uh, yeah. Currently, we are hiring like a business consultant. We are hiring another developer, and we will be soon hiring another project manager. All right, so saying that you're actually hiring new people right now, so how do you decide that it's time to actually grow your team further and in, and in, in which area to actually grow? I do regard our agency's work as a pipeline. Uh, this pipeline has some stages and all of this is being observed in the tools that we are using, like Harvest for time tracking, Forecast, Harvest Forecast for calendar planning and Asana. And whenever I see that there, there are too many items, tasks, or etc., in a given stage for too much time, then that's a clear indicator for me that we either need a new position in our company, like now we are hiring our first business consultant, which will be completely replacing the work that I, I do operationally. Or otherwise, maybe we need just another person in the same position, like a new project manager or a developer. All right. So following up a bit on uh, the actual idea of hiring, I read on your blog that you mentioned that during interviews, you asked certain candidates a question. That's what are you really good at? So what I found that to be quite interesting. So what kind of answers has this brought up and how has, has it actually helped you in determining whether the candidate's good for you or not? Uh, actually, I was inspired to ask this question from a book, uh, which uh, I apply quite a lot. It's called 12 Elements of Performance Management. And I think factor number two 
motivating factor number two for a greater employee engagement is doing the right job. Me as a person, I'm doing the, the job that I, I'm best fit for. So doing the thing that you are best fit for. Uh, therefore, I'm asking this question. And uh, most of the candidates, they answer, uh, they ask me back professionally or generally speaking. And I usually, uh, I, I respond both, please. And uh, technically, normally people just say, well, I'm good at PHP, I'm good at JavaScript, things which are very insightful to me because I'm not expecting the candidate to be good at everything. I rather I'm expecting him or her to have some power skills. Let's say he's very good with jQuery, but he's not good with JavaScript. Well, if you are, if you are saying you are good at jQuery, you better be good at that. So basically, that opens up terrain for discussion. And when they talk about what they are good at, generally speaking, you can discover some very interesting things like, hey, I'm good at mentoring. Hey, I'm good at organizing stuff. Hey, I'm good at talking to people. And this is very, very interesting because if you eventually, if you'll eventually hire the person later down the road, when you have a, no, a new position, a new opening, you can see if you have someone with a power skill for that area and, and you can go and propose to that person, hey, would you like to shift your position? And I've done that two times. That's one of my mantras, uh, the right person in the right seat, in the right position. Mm -hmm. And currently we have our project manager, which is a former developer, and she's brilliant as a project manager. And our current CTO, chief technical officer, he was one of our developers, but I discovered he's truly talented at mentoring and said, hey, won't you, why won't you just take care of this new hire? And I saw the shine in his eyes. Uh, but I knew that, bef I, well, I proposed that to him because I knew that he, he has an inclination towards that. And then the amazing thing is that these two people, they weren't aware and especially the CTO, he wasn't aware that he has this power skill and that he is going to enjoy it. Yeah, so that's the reason I'm asking <laughs> this question. What are you good at? That's very good. You actually get to know them on a personal level before you even get into working with them. That's a very interesting approach. And it's good to actually see that you actually discover sort of hidden talents for other people as well. Yeah, I think that's my mission as an entrepreneur. After like 14 years of being an entrepreneur, I think my mission is just to help people foster their inner potential, to help them discover it, to help them materialize, put it to some useful work, to help them create value. And that's a short path to helping them grow as persons and professionally. Yeah, definitely. So now we're talking about finding the right roles for the right people. And earlier you mentioned that it was harder for you in the beginning to, let, to give control to certain aspects of the business, um, considering you're coming from a freelance background. So how do you actually keep scaling your business while maintaining some control over it? And what areas do you feel, you feel that you still need to be involved in while others that you can assign to others? Well, I think... Speaking about control, I think a healthy business doesn't, doesn't have to depend on a single person, including myself, the agency founder. I mean, uh, I think that if the agency highly depends on myself, that's potential risk for the entire agency, for the health of the agency, of the team, 
and for its survival. Let's say if I cannot do my work for three weeks, what should happen then? You see, uh, we cannot afford to stop the entire engine. So if you look through, through this lens at the agency, then you will discover that the more you let it go and delegate the better of the entire team and including yourself as an agency founder you will be. Now, speaking about control, I do keep a degree of control and I do that through visibility reports, uh, KPIs and customer reviews. In our agency, everyone has a number starting from the developers and up to myself as a business consultant and business developer, including our project managers. For example, our developers have a certain amount of hours, high-quality coding hours per day. Our people are in the office like eight hours, eight hours and a half per day, but they have a lower amount of hours uh, as a target for delivering high-quality code. And then uh, those numbers should aggregate. Well, they have other, other numbers as developers, like I'm following customer reviews and getting feedback from customers. But all the numbers should aggregate. So I do keep an eye and keep visibility over the entire pipeline, as I've mentioned earlier. And of course, I'm looking at the monthly income, which is, well... <laughs> It is, it is like our blood. It it keeps us going. Without without cash flow, we won't be able to continue. All right. So you basically set goals for every individual, and you make sure you basically monitor to make sure that they're actually reaching those goals. Yes, yes. It's more like ongoing KPIs rather than goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Hence, I don't want to control any particular area of the business, but still there are some areas that I will, I think I will keep to myself, even though if it will be growing, and that is, first of all, the culture, uh, defining, redefining and fostering our company's culture. I think culture is of utmost importance because it's an, it's like a glue factor. It, it helps keep ourselves integrated in a world which is constantly changing and which, well, if we were to listen to the chaos theory, everything is slowly, slowly disintegrating. Like, let's say some of our employees takes a, I don't know, builds up a project on the side. Uh, Someone gets married, someone, I don't know, takes a mortgage, etc. All of these factors are like forces which are dragging our team and our company in all the directions. So this is what I'm calling disintegration. And I do consider that it's important as as a, a manager to make sure that there are some specific processes and rituals and 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 just maybe human touches and approaches in order to continuously reintegrate, reintegrate the team. I derived and I was inspired about this integration slash disintegration process from Adizes, A-D-I-Z-E-S methodology. It's a management consultant, which I highly respect. He's talking a lot about this. 
So yeah, culture fostering, maybe defining the processes and refining the processes and generally developing the business, developing new channels for leads, developing new departments in our business, like sales, marketing, which I'm going to do the next year. I think this will stay with me. All right. So you're basically your, your forte within the business. So was this something that you grew into or is it something that you knew you were good at beforehand? Well, as a freelancer, I've been doing all of this myself, including invoicing, but gradually letting it go and letting it go, letting it go. I finally find out what I'm best at, and that is organizing stuff. I'm just quite good at looking at how some things are being done, uh, proposing new approaches, improvements to the entire process, and then find maybe finding the right people to run all of that. And on a more technical level, I found out that I'm quite good at writing specifications and more generally speaking at uh, bringing clarity in the minds of our clients and in the mind of my team. So I can quite quickly understand what our client is trying to achieve and I can often hear from them, hey, you got it right. I've talked to like three or four people and it took me a lot of explanations and you, you got it from the first half an hour. So yeah, I have this native power skill which I've been sharpening during more than 10 years and it really helps me that's very good okay so let's move a bit towards the actual business side of things so speaking about wp riders what does it currently do and what are its current sort of main sources of income well uh currently we are working on two types of projects Uh, we have ongoing clients which need us on a constant basis. We have projects we've been, which we've been working on for more than nine months or even one year. And second types of projects are the so-called tickets. We call them ticket because they are one-shot project. A ticket, it's not a support ticket. It's something It's like developing a new feature, integrating WordPress with a third-party system, automating a new process in WordPress, adding a new type of checkout, and so on and so forth. And speaking about uh, channels, like more than 90% of our income comes from custom WordPress development and ongoing WordPress development. And most of our work uh, comes through Codable, which is uh, a premium marketplace or freelancing platform for high-quality WordPress development, as well as from a few partners which do refer custom work to us, like Coding WP, Apticals, etc. So whenever they, they need a helping hand, their customers need something custom developed, they do refer these clients to us. All right, so when it comes to site, the site development side of things, how do you actually work with clients to develop sites? And do you use any particular frameworks like Genesis or is it all uh, custom work? Uh, on the technical side of things, we have a, well, have a well-rounded process that aligns with our user buying journey. We have like written checklists. We have a brief which the client needs to fill in. In terms of frameworks, we've worked with myriads of plugins and and themes, some of them quite advanced, 
So we don't have a preference towards towards a specific framework like Genesis or I don't know GetBeans or something else. We just come into the play and adapt to what we find there. However, in those cases when we do have a choice, we prefer Suzy Toolkit. S U S Y Toolkit. It's a SAS-based mathematical library for building responsive uh, interfaces. Apart from that, our process is, I mean, software development process is agile-based. It's inspired from, from Scrum, and it, it ensures client gets uh, some tangible uh, value every two weeks or so, every, every sprint. All right, so you keep them updated along the way. Oh, absolutely. We have like a keyword here now, company. It's called the daily heartbeat. It's because uh, I want our clients, which most of them are in North Northern America. I want them to feel that they are connected to a live organism that's working for them, breathing, living. So we do keep them updated on a regular basis. All right. And it's good to say that frameworks, you don't actually just stick to one. You actually work depending on the product that comes up. So the other part of the business, from what I saw from your website, especially is plugin development and certain customizations, including for WooCommerce, easy digital downloads, WooCommerce bookings. So in this space, what kind of work do you actually get requested to do? And how do you limit sort of how far you go with customizations if there are any limits? The short answer is we go all the way down. There's a funny story about this. You can Google it. But mainly we have only one limit, and that is we do not touch the core files. We do whatever it takes to hook into and to extend the existing features in order to preserve the updatability, the capability to update the original plugin. And in those rare cases when we absolutely need to tamper with the original code, we just take... Like we, we inform the client, so we explain the risks, the consequences, we get a written approval note, and then we do develop a custom thing on top of the old thing. Like we clone it and we start changing things in place. So there's no original thing. And speaking about the type of work that we, we take, we've served an amazing wide variety of business models from companies which sell on-demand videos with highly customized subscription plans, which give you access to some videos in advance and some of the videos which already have been published. Companies who constantly deliver like toothbrushes to your door and they need a highly customized checkout process when you can choose your options for toothbrush, for for uh, dental floss, etc. Oh, we've worked on a lot of job-related websites. We are very, very good at building complex job portals. We've even worked for Buddhist monasteries in Nepal, a monastery which has... Uh, university and the university is teaching buddhist philosophy so we've covered quite a large range of businesses from asia australia northern and south south america and europe of course 
And a lot of customers come to us with requirements like, hey, I need a quote calculator because they have a quite complex uh, Excel for coming up with a price. For instance, they are selling T-shirts or they are selling uh, imprinted pants. And depending on the type of imprint on your T-shirt on, or on your pen, they've got a huge Excel and for that pricing model. And they come to us and, and ask us to develop that, that quote calculator, which, which will give uh, their visitors a quote in an instant rather than in 24 hours. All right. So you've you've found that there are that many limitations to e-commerce systems like WooCommerce, digital, digital downloads. There's that much work that requires so much customization. Oh yeah, absolutely. People are very very creative. They are very creative, and again, uh, being in a in a world where the code is open sourced, and working in with a code like uh, WooCommerce or Easy Digital Downloads, which is very very well written, it is very suitable for uh, extensions and customizations. There's literally only very very few limits to what one can do. Some even ask me, why do you do this? In WordPress, I mean, what's the link with WordPress? And I thought for a minute and I said, well, these customers already run a WordPress website. Besides that, these things go way, way beyond WordPress. Like, I don't know, talking to uh, HubSpot CRM for complex integration, talking to Ontraport CRM. So integrating WordPress with myriads of systems through their APIs and making the business automate itself and, and transforming the business into a money-making machine with less people, less human intervention, less uh, human error. That's what we are very, very good at. You mentioned WooCommerce and digital downloads. You said that both are quite uh, well-coded. Do you find that there are any areas within either plugin where you have trouble with customizations or extensibility or anything like that? Mm. No. I ask because we basically, well, we're actually developing EDD bookings, which is the bookings extension for easy digital downloads. I'm uh, curious to see if there are any issues that, that you ran into over time. No, literally. And I know that because if there's a task that we took on and we couldn't deliver, we just give a refund. And I don't remember giving a refund because we couldn't develop something. We gave, like, we finished around 600 projects during the last three years. Only gave three refunds, but none of them was generated because of an impossibility to customize them, something. All right, that's good. And it's good to hear for us as well. Yeah, right. and kudos for your product, for your plugin. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so we spoke about your professional side, the business side of things. So what about uh, Marius, the, the individual? What can you tell us about yourself? How you keep yourself motivated? How you keep yourself educated on latest technologies? Anything like that? Well, I do spend time with my family, with my wife. I play with my kids. I read as much as I can. At least I'm trying to read or listen to at least one book per month, maybe two. I do meditate on a daily basis and I do practice sports on a daily basis and from time to time just playing some board games and 
because in order to keep myself motivated, yeah, I just try to focus on what others, on what an others love. You see, I've, I've spent like 10 years in my last business focusing on what I love to do. And I discovered that's, that it was a huge pitfall for me. It was a very subtle yet egotistic motivation. And then I found somewhere that instead of focusing on doing what you love to do, try to focus on doing what others love you to do. And I found out that's much more fulfilling, starting from my family and ending up with my clients and with my team. And that even helps me overcome temporary moments when I dislike doing what I do. But as long as I focus my mind on the joy that that person is going to experience after I will deliver that, it changes my focus from the hard mundane challenges to the end goal. That's the way I keep myself motivated. Right, that's, that's interesting to hear because most people, as you said, believe in the idea of just doing what you love, not what others love you to do. So it's interesting to see someone who's actually made a success out of doing what others love them to do and you still find it motivation and you still find it appealing, I guess. Mark, this is where the money is. If I do what my clients love us to do, they pay us very good money. <laughs> so that's very practical, I would say. At the same time, this, yes, it could be a somehow spiritual approach if I apply it to our team, helping our team be better at what they do or applying the same principle with my kids and my wife, just helping them be better every day. Very good. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's both practical and fulfilling. Good. It's, it's actually a nice thing to hear that you actually enjoy doing the work anyway, even though it's not what, I guess it's not the only thing you love to do, but you still find it fulfilling actually complete you see it might not be the thing that i love to do and that's important at this particular moment because things won't stay the same they will change so why won't i just take the necessary time to do what i have to do now to do the right thing now because this thing will eventually end up i will be able to switch the jobs uh, switch the duties, switch the projects, switch the, I don't know, clients. So let's make the best of it now with what I have now on my plate. And it's still a learning process anyway, You're constantly learning from what you're doing. Yeah, and learning from us means doing things differently. I didn't find particularly practical and useful to ask myself or my team, what have you learned out of this? Rather, it's much more useful for myself and for for our team to ask them, what will you do differently next time? Because this orients our mind towards identifying points where we did wrong, where we made the wrong decisions and making sure the next time we will make another decision and, and take another course of action. Okay. You mentioned uh, you do meditation earlier as well. So this is something I've been considering for a while myself and I know that uh, Jean does it as well. So is this something that you've always done or is it something that you maybe encourage your team to do? I have been doing meditation for six years now on a regular basis. 
I'm practicing Vipassana meditation as taught by Goenka. And I haven't particularly encouraged my team to do that. Rather, I've exposed them to the phenomenon of meditation. Like I've told them about the benefits. I've told them about what it takes, what it's involved. Uh, I gave them books. I gave them audio books. So I have, I've offered them the chance to, to take a chance. I've offered them the context to, to see if that's for themselves. But I found out that explicitly encouraging people to try it out in most of the cases won't work. So one should come up in a stage in their life when they will naturally feel attracted to this kind of activity. But yes, yes, I am quite positive that meditation will make everyone here and not only here around a better person because we will be more aware of uh, the forces that shape our decisions, the inner forces, like our subconscious. Yeah, definitely. And I'll actually uh, ask you to give me the links to all the all, everything you're mentioning so I can put it in the show notes as well and everyone can uh, look into those as well. All right. Absolutely. I would love to do that. Perfect. So last thing before we go, what advice do you have for those who are either considering freelancing or who are currently freelancing and considering delving into the WordPress agency space like you did? As Mark Twain said once, uh, you will you will mostly regret the things that you haven't done rather than the things that you've done. So my advice would be, if you think you should go out and freelance, then go out and try for yourself. Let the facts speak for themselves. Let the, take the test of reality. And it's better to try and see that that's not for you rather than to regret all the rest of your life that you haven't done it when the time was right. That's applicable as well to scaling. Maybe you're a good freelancer and you think you're thinking about scaling. If you want to do that, find one or two mentors, ask around, read some articles, make a plan on the paper, then go, go and do it and see for yourself if, if, if that's for you. If not, that's fine. Then you at least have a story to tell your grandchildren. Exactly. Very true. Unless you make the actual mistake, you're never going to actually know. Yeah. Agree. All right, Marius, thank you very much. Last thing, where can people reach you? Twitter, Facebook, or blog, anything? My Twitter is Marius Vetrici. It's like my first name and last name in one word. I do blog on our website, wpriders.com, in the article sections. Uh, I do add some business-related, personal development-related articles from time to time. And we do have some technical articles there as well. You can find me on LinkedIn, on Facebook. Just search for my name. And we'll put them in the show notes as well. Okay. Thank you very much, Marius. It was a pleasure to have you. Mark, I appreciate the opportunity to be today with you and with Mastermind FM. And good luck with this wonderful project. And I wish you as many interviews as possible <laughs> from our own. Thank you. And likewise... Uh, best of luck with WP Riders as well. Thank you very much. I appreciate Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Mastermind.fm. If you liked what you heard in today's episode, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your feedback encourages us to keep producing the kind of content that you have come to rely on for your own entrepreneurial journey. 
And if you have a question or topic you'd like us to cover on the show, send it to us through our website or via email at podcast at mastermind.fm or even connect with us on Twitter at mastermind.fm. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a fantastic week.